The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. One thing I get asked about a lot is uh, being in isolation. Um, so people just have the assumption it's like, oh, you're a, you're a Buddhist monk, so you must like, you know, must like being in solitude and being alone, so you must be really good and so you must never get lonely and all these kinds of things. So I actually thought that's probably what I'd talk about today is sort of like a monastic perspective of isolation. But what I, what I actually like really want to more get at is actually uh, talking about loneliness and how to, you know, and how to actually deal with loneliness in some kinds of ways. Um, because, you know, lo loneliness really is the, the problem behind that. It's, it's, it's quite sort of pernicious. When I was thinking about doing this, I sort of like dived into some of the stats around it. And some of it, it's, it's the, some of the stats and things around loneliness, it's really surprising and it's, it's really, really worrying as well. Um, a while ago, there was this. There was a study done. There was about fifty-five thousand participants. It was like the world over kind of thing, and you know, most of us think, okay, well, well, who would be the most kinds of who would be the most lonely people out there? And most of us, when it comes to mind of like, okay, maybe you know, old people that live by themselves, they they'd be the most lonely. But what this like sort of worldwide study actually found that it was mainly adolescents, people from about uh, 16 to 25, who were the most lonely population. About 40% of that population actually said that they felt very lonely uh, and they felt extremely lonely uh, a lot of the time. And so when you actually look at sort of the Australian stats around loneliness, it's it's even, you know, it's, it follows the same kind of trend. There's that, there's the population of over 75, they report like high loneliness, but again, the population of like 15 to 25, they, they actually report that they have, they feel like they're more lonely than older people. Um, and you know, that's, that's, that's quite worrying because that's, you know, that's usually the time where you actually with a lot of people and with a lot of friends. So, uh, and you know, it's obviously it's getting exacerbated more by kids not being able to go to school and teenagers and not being able to school, go to school or university and things like this. So, and then when we look at the general population in Australia, something like one in four people say that they actually experience high levels of loneliness. So that's one in four of your friends actually is, can be quite lonely. Um, one in four also say that they have like high anxiety when actually having to deal with any kind of social interactions. And, you know, generally 50% of people actually say that that they, you know, one day out of the week they feel very lonely. So, you know, why is loneliness actually a problem? Well, loneliness is a problem. It actually, it obviously, it has the, 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 the straight, the straight sort of impact on things like your mental health and things like that with depression, anxiety, and stuff like that. But you know, it also does have a problem for people's physical health as well and cognitive decline and all these kinds of things. So, you know, it it. The, the factors that go into loneliness, it's, it's pretty complex um, and I, I, there's no real need for me to go into all the different factors of you know, where you are located ge geographically or, or the, the different kinds of demographics and all these kinds of things. There's no real use of me going into any of that. Um, but what I more wanted to talk about today is the actual feeling of loneliness that arises in the heart and how we can maybe do some kinds of things to overcome that. Um, and what I'll sort of talk about a little bit is some of the ways that we overcome loneliness in the heart is by developing different kinds of qualities in the, in the heart as well. And then, and actually sort of suggest that actually, you know, to overcome loneliness, you know, you, there's, there's like a surface level that you can surface level of some things that you can do to overcome it. But then there's a deeper level and that's more where the Buddhist teachings can actually like help with something with, with loneliness. But I'll, I'll give my, 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 my general kind of caveat with this talk as well as like, this is not the Buddhist interpretation of 
loneliness. Um, this is just some things that I've myself have sort of found out about it and it's you could say there's uh, what I'm trying to give the today is like a monastic perspective of of being isolated and loneliness. Um, it's not specifically the Buddhist teachings on loneliness just just to so to get that clear and out of the way. Towards the end of the talk there'll be stuff that is more specifically Buddhist orientated but the general you know thrust of the talk that is main it's not really the the Buddhist perspective on loneliness just to just to caveat that just to get that out of the way so before I start talking about loneliness I think it's it's important to make some distinctions because most people think that you become lonely because you're alone or that you're that you're not around other people so there's some things we have to get off the table first some like definitions the first is uh, what we call social isolation now, social isolation, that's actually where you actually are physically physically or socially uh, uh, separate from people. So maybe you live alone. So you are, in a way, not connected in that way, in that physical kind of way. Now, you can be socially, socially isolated and be lonely, but you can also be socially isolated and not feel lonely at all. The next term to get to get straight is something I'll call solitude. Now, solitude, this is where a person has made like a like an active decision or an active choice that they want to be alone and they want to separate themselves uh, from interactions with other people. Um, and because they've made that choice, because maybe they want to be alone. Now, again, being alone, though, doesn't actually mean that you're lonely. Um, so, what actually is loneliness then? Well, loneliness is more, it's, it's, it's like a, it's a subjective feeling, uh, subjective negative feeling that you have that you feel like your social needs aren't actually being met or like a subjective negative feeling that you're disconnected from others in some way. So loneliness is different from social isolation or solitude because loneliness is a subjective negative feeling that you actually have so you can be lonely and be social and and through social isolation but you can also feel lonely with a lot of people around and having a lot of interactions because it is a, a subjective quality so you can see there that the, the, those three things are very different social isolation solitude and loneliness they're very different now uh, we'll, we'll get to the point of, you know, the reason I decided to talk about this is because so many people come and ask, they say, oh, you, you monks, you must be sort of, you're great at solitude, you must you know, love being alone, you know, you must know exactly uh, how to overcome loneliness, you must never get lonely because you meditate so well and all these kinds of things, and it's, well, that's, you know, that's not the full, the full story kind of thing, it's, 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 it's true to some extent, but it's not true to the fullest extent. The first thing I'd like people just to, to, to take into consideration is that as monastics, we actually like being alone. We're predisposed to actually like being alone. We wouldn't have chosen this lifestyle if we didn't like being alone. So as part of our sort of personality trait already, we actually like being alone. So if anybody asks us about it, it's like we actually do have a, like a bit of a, a bias towards being alone. So you just have to take that into consideration. Um, so for me, myself, when I was a, like, I've, I've always liked being alone. I've, you know, ever since I was like a little kid and I was lucky when I was a little kid, I grew up on a, like a really big farm kind of thing and I'd just, I'd take off the whole day and I'd go further and further towards the back of the farm, further and further into the bush, just to be more and more by myself. I, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I've been doing this. So it's, it's a part of my personality. Even when I was like a, a teenager and an adolescent and I'm hanging around my friends and stuff, I just sort of go, nah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'd take off and like leave and go off by myself. Now, does that mean I, I don't like people and I hate hanging around people? And it's, no, it's, it's not that. There's obviously there's time and place. Um, but, you know, it, as I said, it's just this general propensity that, uh, that I have is that I like being alone. Um, and most monastics actually share in that as well. 
So another thing you have to remember when you think about monastics and the and that they you know that they like solitude and that they're in isolation. Uh, so they must be good at it, kind of thing. Uh, one thing to remember as well is that the majority of us actually we live in communities. Monks and nuns, we live in pretty tight knit communities. It's very, very rare that we actually do live in solitude. And so we live in communities of people that share the same kind of values, have the same kinds of goals, um, share the same interests as us. You know, we're around other monastics, we're around other Buddhists that come. So we're actually, it's very, very rare that we are in like actual isolation or actual solitude. Um, while we might have our own huts and stuff that we go back to um, when we do spend time alone, we, a lot of the time we actually spend embedded in some kind of community. And so you'll, what you'll find with monastics is the, one of the reasons we have this like a good level of, you could say, contentment is that we actually find a balance between isolation and solitude, but then also engaging in the community in some way. We find some kind of meaningful project to get involved in or helping out the community or, or being involved in the community in some way. We, have, we find a balance between those things. Um, and the monastics that don't find a balance, they either go too much in solitude or they go too much you know, doing things with the community, they, they don't tend to last so long. So most of us will get a good balance between those two things. Uh, so if that's the case, okay, well, monastics, you're, you're actually very rarely socially isolated um, and you're predisposed to actually like being alone in solitude. Does that mean that we never get lonely? Well, actually, yeah, we do. There are times where, uh, as a monastic, you do get lonely. But you get lonely most of the time not due to the actual, you know, f being physically isolated from other people, but you get lonely because of some kind of potentially some kind of interactional or interpersonal, you know, problem that you might have had. So say, for example, with me, sometimes you, you know, you have falling out with friends or you feel like you've been ostracized in some way. You, you, you feel that kind of, you know, terrible feelings of loneliness that you get there, but it's not due to you being socially isolated. It's usually due to you uh, you know, having having some kind of interpersonal problem. So monastics, we do get lonely. We do get lonely as well. So you have to remember every time you ask a monastic, it's like you must be like great at you know at, at isolation. It's like just remember those those few things. And we do have a bit of a we do have a little bit of a bias. We like it, but we also we do live pretty embedded in communities and we find a balance between solitude and community and but you know we also do get lonely as well so it, it does actually it does happen it doesn't matter how much meditation you do you can still get lonely at times so what are some of the causes for loneliness and as I said it's really complex and there's 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 a, there's too many things for me to actually mention but there's some there's some bigger things that actually can cause you to feel lonely the first thing is is that is that you mightn't have like good access to peers or anybody else in in the social world so you could think of, you know, say, for example, think of like an older person that maybe lives by themselves and they don't have so much family around. Um, or you could think of like, uh, like an adolescent or somebody at high school. Maybe they get bullied. Maybe they get socially excluded. Maybe they're sick or something. So there is that kind of separation from peers. So this is one of the things that can um, cause people to become lonely. Another, another thing is that um, because... One of the things why we feel lonely is because we feel like we've, we're not very connected with people. Um, to be able to connect with people, you yourself actually need good social skills. This is something we sort of overlook a little bit. Like you actually need good social skills. You need to be able to converse with people and talk with people and you need to pick up on all the different kinds of cues that this other person is, is throwing out there or the group's throwing out there. You have to be very sensitive to those things. And some people just don't really have those social skills um, through totally no, no fault of their own. The next thing is that some people actually just get really like caught up in their own head and they start to 
um, they sort of like negatively ruminate about different things and they perceive the world that perceive the world in that negative way. So even so them themselves, they might feel like they have bad relationships with other people, but everybody else around them are like, no, nah, it's great. We're, we're fine. We're good friends kind of thing. So, so it's these three main things of like the, the social environment that you find yourself in, the, the actual social skills that you have and the way that you're actually perceiving the world. Now, a lot of people sort of jump to the conclusion these days of like, well, you know, the reason we're having like an epidemic of loneliness is because of like uh, our, you know, we're, we're online all the time and social media and all these kinds of things. And while it can be a contributing factor, it's not the only cause. Um, you know, there's still, there was loneliness around before uh, we're, we're online, there was loneliness around in people that don't really use the internet that much. Um, so what actually, but that's not to say that it's not, it, it's not, doesn't contribute in some way, but what we, there's, there are many other things that actually come into it. We have this propensity these days to be actually very private as well. And actually being online allows us to be very private. Um, we can, you know, most of you now are working from home. Um, so you can sort of like build a world at home where you just, you just work, you, you just work from home or you can actually go to school online and all these things now. So we can become more and more private, but then also with society, how it is these days, we have a lot more choice these days. You can choose, you can choose the kind of job you want to do. You can choose what you want to study. You can choose how you, the kinds of hobbies that you might have. You can choose all these different kinds of things to actually do. So actually having a lot of choice and this actually can sort of like move you off in an individual direction away from a group. And we didn't really evolve to live that way we didn't really evolve to live like very privately or or doing our own thing off from the group we actually evolved to live in like these tight-knit groups that you know you have a defined social role and you know that's what actually made us feel feel good but we can now because when we can choose whatever we want to do with our time and that we like you know we that we like privacy and we we're you know we're we can safely live without a group. You know, you can you can go to the supermarket and get food now, and, and go to the doctor and all these kinds of things. You do, and there's no sort of, you know, you know, marauding marauding like you know, tribes of people coming over the hill to attack you kind of thing. You can live safely by yourself now. So, so all this is to say that it's it's not just the online world that is causing this kind of epidemic of loneliness. There's a lot of different factors, but what some of the, most of the research actually suggests is that, is that it's not the online world that causes loneliness, but it's, it's more likely that you take your propensity for loneliness into the online world. Um, and so that's what can make it feel even, even worse because we can be private, we can just sort of separate ourselves off from the group and we can just live in isolation. So, and this is all to say that remember that loneliness it's a subjective it's a subjective state that you actually have and this subjective negative state that you actually have it's a feeling and it's this feeling that you've lost connection with people and that's what's really most important about this is the feeling behind that it's a subjective state and it's a horrible it's a it's a it's a really it's one of the most horrible feelings that you can actually have as a human. There's, there's, there's a reason why uh, in prisons they put people in solitary confinement. It's probably one of the worst kinds of punishments that we, we can actually give. There's a reason why uh, uh, social exclusion exclusion from the group is it 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 it's so it's so pernicious and so and so terrible because it's it's one of the exclusion is one of the worst punishments that we can actually give to people so the the feeling of loneliness it's 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 terrible to live with it's terrible to live with on an ongoing basis because it feels like it feels like you're sort of like locked in this like locked in this room where where the whole world has sort of forgot about you 
and everything's like going by without you and that nobody outside actually cares or that you've sort of been like 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 cast adrift in the ocean on some kind of raft and that you're just like drifting around in the ocean and nobody cares and and the worst thing that can the worst thing about it is sometimes you can feel that the reason you're drifting alone in an ocean is because other people like cut the rope and left you off there so it's this like it's this terrible feeling to deal with and it's like it's frightening and it's terrifying and and the reason so when we start to feel lonely it's 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 such an awful feeling you do the first thing that you that, that sort of comes to mind to stop you feeling lonely you start to grab onto like things outside yourself you start to grab onto other people you start to grab onto situations you start to grab onto and try to fill this void of loneliness with different things you might fill it with entertainment or work or you know even even you know many different kinds of things but you try to grab onto things outside to fill this void of loneliness that you're actually you're actually experiencing so but you know that doesn't always work trying to fill the void of loneliness with things outside doesn't actually actually really work so how do we overcome loneliness then so the way one of the ways that we over and this is one of the ways that we try to overcome loneliness as i said is trying to get these things outside and we think well actually you know as I said, you can be around a lot of people and you can be doing a lot of things but still feel lonely. So grabbing things outside, that doesn't really, really work. So we think, okay, we have to, you know, maybe, it's, maybe it's something else. To the first big step in overcoming loneliness is actually we have to learn to be alone. You have to actively try to seek out times where you are alone. Um, and even though you don't want to actually do that, because being alone and then having the feeling of loneliness come up, this actually can be quite helpful for you. This can actually start to make you realize different things about yourself, realize, realize maybe some aspects about your personality that you feel like you're missing. Maybe you feel like that you, maybe you feel like that you, uh, uh, you know, you want to be loved and that you're not being loved, but there's maybe something that you could be doing about that to improve this. So loneliness and being alone, it can at least help you identify that. But you also have to be careful when you're being alone is because loneliness, again, as I said, it's, it's frightening. Um, it's terrifying. And, but what is it about? loneliness that is frightening what is it about solitude that's frightening and the thing if you look at it what's frightening about it is you're afraid of yourself you're afraid of actually being with yourself and facing yourself so but this is this this aspect of that we're afraid of this is the thing that we actually have to search out through by being alone we actually have to try to find these things because if we keep trying to ignore it by like grabbing onto things outside you'll never you'll never realize this fear that you have you never realize this 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 sort of gaping chasm that you have that you need to fix in some way so you actually actively have to actively have to try to find that through being alone for periods of time and this is you can learn a lot by being alone and, and having to having to face your loneliness in some way in saying all that though you don't want to go too far the other way you don't want to go too far the way of like you're 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 alone for so long that you start to feel very very bad loneliness and you know you start to get all these negative symptoms of like you know like something like agoraphobia or you you feel like you've been socially excluded and all these kinds of things you don't want to tip the scales too far so we the first big step to overcome loneliness is that you do have to learn to be by yourself and you have to learn to face that um and being by yourself actually learns means that you learn to accept 
who you are as an individual and accept some things about yourself. So the, the big point I'm trying to suggest with this talk is that the way, because loneliness is this subjective negative state where you feel like you're, you're not, that you're not connected with others, the, you have to develop a different kind of subjective state in the mind to overcome that. And I would suggest that the, the state that you need to develop to overcome that is contentment. And so we think, well, how do we develop contentment? And the first thing that comes to mind is like, oh, you, okay, you've, you've heard the slogan a thousand times. It's like, you develop contentment. Yes, it has to come from within. And that's, that's good, it's, it's, but it's only half right. Um, yes, you do have to develop contentment from within. And that, this is where, you know, this is where things like uh, meditation and things like that help. But remember I said, how do monastics, how do monastics uh, deal with content? Uh, how do monastics develop content? We have a balance between being alone, working on ourselves, but also being involved in a community. We have that balance there. So to really develop contentment, you can't just have develop it from within. But you also can't just develop it from without, like grabbing onto everything in the world. You actually need to find a balance between those two things of from both within and from without. So if we look at how we develop contentment from within, that's you know, that is things like developing meditation and and, and working on ourselves and trying to, you know, understand our own mind and our own existence. But Again, just developing contentment from within is not enough. You do have to go out and actually uh, uh, find contentment in these other in these other realms. You have to find uh, you do have to find other people around you that you can like a group around you that you can that you have shared interests with and you can do things with and you can um, you can do things together. And um, although you might feel like you want to be private and you just want to work on yourself, you won't really get contentment by just working on yourself. You do have to find groups of other people that you can do things with and you can share things with. And when you do find these this group of another people that other people that you can do things with, you can still work from within as well. You can develop gratitude that you have these friends and you have these shared interests and you can develop kindness towards them and you can develop forgiveness for them when they when they do things that annoy the hell out of you and or you can you can develop aspects of of, of not being selfish and just and you know doing things that other people want to do. So that's one other aspect that we have to develop, uh, that we have to develop uh, uh, relationships with others to develop contentment, to overcome loneliness. The next one is, it's a little bit surprising, and, um, but, and maybe something that we overlook is actually another area of our life that helps us develop contentment is actually the work that you do, your job. Now, we spend a lot of time, people spend a lot of time at work. The, the majority of your time is actually spent at work if you're still working. So if you're involved in some kind of job or project or something that you, like, that you don't like and that you don't, don't derive any kind of contentment out of, that's a, that's a gaping hole in your life where you're not getting contentment. So how do you get contentment out of, out of like the kind of work that you actually do is, well, Again, it's not just about doing what you want um, or doing what you feel like you're obliged to do. It's actually doing a kind of job that you actually have skills in and that you're actually good at and you have strengths in. If you do something that you have strengths in, you can actually con you can contribute a lot to the group, to the people that are around you. Um, if you're doing just something that you want to do but you're not actually that good at it, you're not really going to contribute so you don't really have that sense of contentment like to give an example like uh for me i i i i would uh, if i could pick a profession kind of thing i would like love to like make copies of renaissance paintings or or something like that but yeah, that's that's all oh, cool this is something i want to do maybe i could change my whole life and i could go off and do that kind of thing but you know i'm not a very good painter so I might like spend a lot of time like 
practicing doing it kind of things, but I just I don't have the propensity to paint very well. So even I do this over a long period of time, I'm not going to be that good at it. People are going to go, oh, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a lovely, you know, that's a lovely copy of like Raphael's School of Athens and just sort of, you know, just put it off. I'm not really going to get contentment out of it because I'm not that good at it, even though I want to do it. So over a long period of time, you're not going to feel very content doing that. So, but if you find something that you're very good at and you have a lot of strengths in, you can contribute a lot more and you feel a lot more contentment from that. And that, again, shields against loneliness. And the last thing that you want to, that you want to develop is to, to develop contentment is to develop some kind of relationship with something that's, like, that's bigger than yourself, something that sort of gets you out of your own head, something that's bigger than yourself and has like a sense of purpose, whether that be like the involvement in some kind of like religious thing or it's like a community thing or a neighborhood thing or a sporting thing or, or, or like a, or a professional kind of thing. We have to find something that's bigger than ourselves that we can be involved in. Although we might think that we want more choice and we want to do more things by ourselves and we think if we have if we have a lot of freedom and we're just bouncing around as individuals that this is the thing that's going to make us content we don't usually strive you don't we don't usually thrive very well like that we thrive a lot better when we're a part of something that is much bigger than ourselves Remember what I said about monastics. We spend that time doing things in the community, and, our, and especially our community, that we really feel like are beneficial. We spend our time, you know, the, the big goal that we have as a monastic is that we're moving towards enlightenment, and all these people around us are trying to move towards enlightenment and developing the Dhamma as well. And so being a part of that embeds you in this something that's much bigger than yourself, so you develop a lot of contentment from that. So... You know, to develop contentment, to try to start to shield against against loneliness, you have to develop yourself from within. You have to develop good relationships with other people. You have to develop uh, uh, good relationships with what you do, how you spend your time with your work, but then also something that's bigger than yourself. And so the last thing, last thing I thought I'd talk about with with loneliness and overcoming loneliness is is more more when you're starting to get in line with something about a more a Buddhist conceptualization of how something about the Buddhist teachings can really help overcome loneliness. And this isn't something, you know, I recommend that you try to do straight away to overcome loneliness. This is something that takes a little bit of time. This is something that you, you gradually work at. But this is, you know, at the, at the ultimate level, this is where this is the part of the Buddhist teachings that can help you you know, that can, you know, ultimately help you overcome loneliness. So if we think about social isolation and that, you know, we're, you know, being separate from other people and one of the causes of us feeling lonely is we feel disconnected from other people in some way. If you're really, like, honest about your experience and you really look at your experiences, at every moment that you're alive, you're actually isolated and you're actually separate from other people. What do I mean by that? Well, at every moment in time, we're sort of like locked in our own heads and that I'm, I'm, I'm over here and that, that you're over there and there are these other people around. So even if you are around other people, there is this separation there between this space that is you and this space that is them. So... This is, you know, again, this is why loneliness is this subjective feeling. So even though you are around a lot of people, you can still feel lonely. But at every moment we're locked in our own heads and we, the thoughts that we think, we think that this is the way the world is. This is, this is, this is what colors our perception of the whole world is how we view it and how we think about it. And the more we identify with these thoughts the more we start to build our own individual sense of self that's different from all the, the other the, all the other selves that are around there so and the more more tightly we identify with this self that i have 
then the more you actually suffer. And the way that this suffering comes about, or the way it, uh, 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 the way this suffering actually comes about, the more you identify with this sense of self, is can come about as loneliness. So, but if we practice the Buddhist teachings well, and we you know, practice meditation, and we're always sort of investigating the nature of our own experiencing, we're always investigating that things are impermanent. And most importantly, we're investigating this feeling of a sense of me that is separate. The more we look at that, the more we try to analyze it, and the more we practice on it, and the more we try to see through it, the more we start to realize this individual self, this thing that I think is me, that this is this is nothing but this is nothing but a, a, a constructed perception that you have, or a constructed feeling that you are this this entity that's separate from everything else. The more you can actually see through that, and the more you look at this sense of self, then the boundaries of what is a self they start to dissolve away. And the more the boundaries start to dissolve away, then there is more of a connection with everything else in experience. The more your ego starts to dissolve, the more the boundaries between self and other start to dissolve as well. You start to see everything as just unified experience. So it's, it's almost impossible for you to feel disconnected because you just see that everything actually is connected in experience. So the more you can let go this feeling of a sense of self, the more actually connected you will feel with others and the more attention you pay to others and the more you realize uh, that it's important, it's important to, uh, to, to be connected with others because it just ultimately is, it ultimately is that way. You're not shielding yourself off of like me, I'm important over here and you're over there that barrier gets broken the more you start to see through the sense of self. So this is really where the Buddhist teachings, you know, at an ultimate and at a deep level can really help with loneliness. But as I said, this is not like the first step. If you're feeling very lonely, don't sort of wait till you like bust through the feeling of a sense of self to get over your loneliness. Do those other, those more surface level things that I was, that I was talking about before. Again, developing contentment, developing contentment from within, trying to work on yourself, trying to work on being alone. Um, but then also those other things on the, on the outside as well, where you, where you develop, you try to develop good relationships with people, the things in your, in your, the, how you spend your time working and the something bigger than yourself work on those kinds of things first and the the deeper level that you want to get to that's something that that does happen in time so if we if we do this and we continue to to practice in this way then this is again developing contentment this is a way that actually shields us against loneliness and it's something that we have to do have to continue to try to we actually really have to work on we have to work on a lot because you know loneliness it is it is this feeling it's like that you're sort of like locked in this dark room and you're locked in this dark room and then like that the, the, the everything in the world is sort of passing you by and the longer you stay in this dark room you start to think well there's no sunshine outside there's no light out there there's nothing there's nothing good outside so we have to learn to start to accept, okay, well, I'm in a dark room. How do I learn to accept that? You start to learn to accept this, you know, this, this aspect of being in the dark rooms and all the terrors that come along with being in a dark room. But again, you can't just stay in the dark room and you can't just believe that the dark room is always dark and that there's no sunshine out there. You actually have to go out and see if there's any sunshine out there. And a lot of times what sort of uh, uh, stops us from doing this, we might go outside every now and again, and it's, you might go out at nighttime and there's no sun, there's, it's dark, or you go out and it's like it's, 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 it's overcast, it's cloudy, and so, well, there's no sun there. And so likewise, if you're feeling lonely and you go out and try to find other people, you mightn't make that connection straight away. But just like being in the dark room and searching for sunlight, if you continue to go out, eventually you're going to find a sunny day. There's going to be a day where there's sunshine. 
but you have to keep doing it. Likewise with overcoming loneliness through trying to connect with other people. You have to just keep trying to do it. And the more, the more you actually do this, the more you'll start to realize that there are people out there who share the same kinds of uh, uh, thoughts, values, opinions, feelings, goals, all these kinds of things as you. So you will be able to you know, uh, overcome loneliness in this way. So you know, maybe, maybe with that, maybe that's probably enough for me rambling on about this. Hopefully uh, some of these things were helpful for you in some way. Um, and yeah, if you have any questions now, you're more than welcome to either ask them on YouTube or you can, anyone can like jump in, jump in on Zoom there and turn your microphone on and ask a question, so. Thank you, Ajahn. Uh, how ironic, I, the, one of the reasons why the Zoom audience is present is so you don't feel lonely. Yeah. <laughs> the <Dumbledore. laughs> it's, it's so it's so I can it's so I can sort of have this like uh, uh, this aspect of all oh, somebody's listening to me. <laughs> Somebody cares what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, and, and happy Father's Day to all of the oh, yeah. the, the dads out yep, there as yep. well. Okay, we don't have any um, questions from the Zoom audiences yet. So, just for the for the Zoom audience, for your for your information, somebody's got their hand up. Have they? Yeah. I'm not Somebody did have their hand, their hand up. Oh, sorry, it was the, the probably yeah. the mouse, and I'm sort of blind. Uh, just for the Zoom audience, so you, so you're aware when you do ask a question, um, it's the same as as if you were physically present in the um, in the BSV. Only the people in the Zoom audience will be able to see the person asking the question. Mm. Mm. Is only the audio that will go out onto YouTube. So for future, um, it's only that your audio um, will mm. be on the on, mm. on the asking the question and Ajahn's response to it. Um, so when the Zoom audience does ask a question, please, for those audience members out there on the Zoom, we've got about, how many we got? Uh, 14 people. Um, please feel free to raise your hand if you do need to, if you do have a need to ask a question. We have one or two from the um, online audience from YouTube, so I'm going to start with that. Um, so the first question here is... Uh, I'm feeling that friends are overrated. In my experience, most friends are bonded with, sim with similarities, tends to do gatekeeping, and they eventually expelled me or others. Now, I, the second part of that question, now I think that civil people who can be alone do not seek friends and do not seek friends are most welcoming. What do you think? Did you want me to read that again? Yeah, that'd be good, thanks. At least the second part of it. Yeah. Okay. Now I think that civil people who can be alone and do not seek friends are most welcoming. What do you think? Mm. It's hard to say like a black and white kind of thing. You know, there are people that like to be alone, but, you know, they're, they're, they're grumpy and they're, they're grumpy and you, you, sit, you think of the old man that sits on the porch with the shotgun kind of thing and they get off my lawn kind of thing. Like, they, you know, the, some of those people that like to be alone, maybe they're not always the most uh, hospitable, hospitable kind of people. Um, but it's the, like I was talking about in the, in the, in, in the talk, if you learn to be alone, um, if you can learn to be alone, but also learn to work on yourself and work on these aspects of yourself where you feel like maybe that you're lacking or that you need to improve, then that's a good thing. Um, but that's not, again, not to, not to negate uh, actually having relationships with people and uh, having, having developing friendships with people. Um, this, is, this is actually like, it is still a, like an important thing to do. Um, it's an important thing to have friends because friends can sort of tell you when you're going wrong or when you're got wrong views. If we look at what the the look at what the Buddha said, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the a lot of passages in the suttas, the Buddha says, you know, just dwell alone and and dwell alone at the foot of the tree and 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 strive for enlightenment and and don't talk to anyone and just you know be silent and all these kinds of things. And most of us, you know. Uh, might derive a lot of uh, inspiration from that and, and ideas about that. But we also have to think as well, one of, one of the things that the, that the Buddha said as well is that, that actual 
spiritual friendship or kalyanamittas. These are for somebody that is a monastic. This is this is the whole. The Buddha said that this is the whole of the holy life. This is the most important thing in the holy life to actually have. So you know you you need having good spiritual companions there and good spiritual friends. This is this is actually so important. Um, Again, as I said, like I, 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 I like being alone. I, I really do like it. I, you know, I, and I have the biased opinion that I, that I'm an okay person, kind of thing. But it's uh, there's been plenty of times where I've done things by myself, and I'm just sort of like careering off course, kind of things, or I'm, I'm being, uh, I, I'm, I'm developing wrong views in some way. And and actually, the good friends that I've had that they've pulled me back and 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 said, well, you know, don't do that, or having a good teacher. Uh, sort of correcting the errors of my ways um, is it's it's one of the most beneficial things that I've actually had. So that's not to say that you can't develop yourself well in uh, being alone and in isolation. But you know maybe maybe the kinds of friends are, are very important as well. Like developing, as I said, developing good kalyanamittas, good friends. Um, this is this is a very important thing to do as well. So, but yeah, if you can if you can find if you find that you you know, like being alone and this is something that works for you well, you know, that that's fine. But yeah, just again, balance, balance it out. Thank you, Ajahn. Uh, next question. Sorry, this is one of the earlier ones. Apologies. Um, Ajahn, my question is how, my question is how does one use this to be with friends and family, such as when they drink? How can one keep us keep up stable relationships without completely um, mm. uh, completely cutting them out and therefore feeling alone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a you know, the, these kinds of things are, are hard when, especially when you uh, potentially uh, come in contact with the Buddhist teachings and you you decide, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to. There's certain things that I'm not going <clears> to <throat> not going to engage in anymore. Um, it can cause, uh, how would you say, a rift between you and the people that are around you. But I think that, like, the big thing you have to do is you you separate, you know, separate people from the actions that they do, um, uh, and you know that, and basically, what, what and what I mean by that is people do some kinds of actions and sometimes you just have to like overlook those actions because there's so many other good things about them um there's so many other good qualities that they have and so many other good things that they can they can do with you and help you but if you just look at them through this one action that they may do and filter everything about that uh through that action then you know you're going to lose you're going to lose uh a lot of people that may be very important to you um but that's also not to say that you know if you have friends that are sort of pulling you in a more negative direction that you should just sort of accept that and go along with it obviously not you it's important for you to have your own kind of standards your own uh yeah your own your own uh keeping your own morality in that kind of way but but sort of separating the kinds of actions that these people do uh from 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 your own, um, I I still have a lot of friends from like when I was when I was a little kid. I've you know, still got really great friends. They still drink and all these kinds of things. But it's like, oh yeah, it's fine. You guys do that. I'm I'm definitely not doing that. You know, like, this is you know I'm I'm not gonna I'm not going to be sharing that part of my life with you. But it's fine. But there's other things that I can do with them. There's uh, other aspects uh, where you can where you can uh, develop different parts of the relationship with them. So the what I'm getting at is you know you don't you don't throw everything away because somebody does like one or two things that you don't agree with. You know you just sometimes you just have to accept that's what they do. And uh, on the flip side of that, you have to think of your friends as well. Like I'm so grateful that my friends still accept me for what I am in in my friends eyes that I grew up with I am a I am a massive weirdo like I am just doing something that's so far beyond anything that they can even comprehend that it's like it's just ridiculous they don't understand it they think that I'm in a cult they think they they you know they 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 just they don't get it at all but they're still my friend they you know they live very very different lives but they're still my friend they've they've okay well 
you know, Kevin does that. It's like, well, I don't get it. It's sort of weird, but, you know, but it's fine. So rem remember that as well from the other side as well. If you've decided to do things a different kind of way and your friends can still accept you for that, then you have to be very grateful for that as well. Thank you, Ajahn. As the next question here is, um, dear Ajahn Sadharo, how can a person deal with a sense that other people don't really want to talk or deal with him or her? I assume that's the person. Um, maybe if you could clarify that a little bit, that they don't want to talk to you or in general that they just don't want to talk. Um, if you get the opportunity, you can jump on Zoom and yeah, but or or if you or if you just want to type it in. Okay, just move on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, are there any um, disciples in the suttas you remember who are not who are non-returners but had children? I want to understand how having children in lay life can impede the path, or does it help? Oops. Uh, does it help develop with uh, develop love? Um, no, no, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure there are. I, I'm I'm struggling to think of specific examples at the moment, but um, I think there were, and but from from memory, most of them had children before they became non-returners. Um, so. The what makes one a non-returner is that one is not uh, like a, attached to any kind of material form anymore. So if one was a non-returner and then were to have children, you, that, that person just wouldn't have that inclination to actually actually do that. So there are non-returners who had children, um, and actually, uh, if you look at uh, uh, if you sort of think about it, there was many monastics that went forth, and you know they they had children. You know the Buddha had a child before <laughs> before he became the Buddha. So you know he, you know, uh, so you know he actually went like very far beyond being a non-returner. So uh, there's there's many there's many examples of that actually happening. But usually they would have had children before that. Now uh, I think maybe what the question is aiming at is when. A person becomes a non-returner. They they are sort of imbued with the Brahma Viharas that they have the mind of a Brahma, and so the one that has the mind of a Brahma is imbued with the four Brahma Viharas. So they you know innately have you know, loving kindness, compassion, altruistic joy, and equanimity to all beings. Um, so that person. That, that individual would have those qualities, so would have a lot more loving kindness and all these kinds of things to others. But that doesn't mean that uh, if you're not a non-returner that you can't develop those qualities and still have uh, children. Uh, if, you're, if you have children and you're trying to develop yourself as much along the Buddhist path as possible, uh, you, you can actively try to develop the four Brahma-viharas like a non-returner would have and then you can so you can develop the same kinds of qualities while you mightn't and so while you mightn't be you know freed from any kind of material desire for form you can still develop the same kind of qualities that a non-returner has but just you know keep at it like it's you know if if you can if you can become a non-returner and still have children that's you know that's that's an that's an awesome that's an awesome thing to do thank you ajan Okay, we got a response back for that earlier one. Yep. I'll just read out the first part of it and then go down to what the clarification is. So, Diajan Sadaro, how can a person deal with a sense that other people don't really want to talk or deal with him or her? Yep. And the clarification is, uh, it is a sense that, that a person has that other people don't really respect or like oneself. Mm that sense can be a can be very burdensome mm. yeah you know it's a tough one like it's um because you know there are people that you know there, there are people that don't like you uh, it's 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 a it's a harsh reality that we all have to face it's like i know there's plenty of people out there that don't like me and i i try to talk to them and it's like there's just like a wall there 
So the the thing, the the best, uh, I, I probably say the best kind of advice that we uh, can have is you still, you know, you still attempt to be kind to them. You still attempt to be, um, uh, have that kind of uh, kindness and compassion towards them, but don't push them. The more you push them and the more you try to be kind to them and more, uh, as in like, you know, over over the top, sort of the over the top kind of kindness, the more you actually sort of annoy them. So if you can learn to accept that not everybody likes you at every at every instance in time but you just continue to try to be kind to them uh continue to try to be civil to them continue to try to be um um uh you know as agreeable as you can possibly be if you realize that somebody doesn't like you the the natural reaction you can have is you either pull back from them or you start to dislike them yourself and the more you dislike them yourself the the bigger that rift becomes so if we can just accept that, okay, there's some people out there that they, you know, maybe they don't like me, they don't, they don't really actually want to talk to me, um, and that's fine, but I'll still try my best to be uh, as kind and as compassionate as possible, but not going too far and not sort of uh, 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 going over the top where you actually start to annoy them because, you know, all of us, you know, and, you know, think about it from your side as well, there's, there's plenty of people maybe that you don't like. Um, and the more this person sort of like gets up in your face, you're like, oh, God, I wish they'd go away. Like, <laughs> I wish they'd just sort of leave me alone kind of thing. So you don't want to be that kind of overbearing person. But again, still be try to be kind to them, try to be, um, uh, try to be compassionate towards them and also just sort of accept, okay, well, we, you know, we don't have this like close relationship. That's fine. Um, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes, actually like learning to be with people and not talk to them it's this is actually a very good skill to develop as well this is a this is something where if you can learn to be with others in silence you can actually develop you can you can actually develop a closeness there as well that you don't sort of always need to talk to them or they don't always need to talk to you to feel to feel good. That's and this is what we usually get when we have a relationship with someone over a long period of time. But we can also do this with with people that we maybe don't hang around with much. We can just allow people some space to 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 you know to not speak at sometimes. And actually, you can you know at that time if you can learn to do that. Again, you won't be the annoying person that keeps like, hey, like listen to me, talk to me, listen to me, talk to me. But if you can just learn to be silent with them, that actually it's, it can be actually quite very helpful for relationships that you have with people. I think it's got crab. Actually, I've, I've just got a note here from the Zoom audience. Yeah. Um, Eric had a question. Um, I didn't spot your hand um, sure. go up, Eric. So I'll just. Um, Ask you to unmute. We're just working out the kinks in the yeah, in the system. Bear with us. I've asked him to un ask to unmute. There we go. There we go. Erica, are you able to unmute yourself? It's a bit weird. Well, we've definitely got a problem here. Technical with difficulties. Technical difficulty. Yeah. Be patient. We have to be patient, overcome the difficulties. Well, we're asking it to unmute, but it's not allowing it to, not allowing them to unmute. We've we've shut everyone down too hard. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Apologies here, <laughs> given the opportunity for people we, to ask we, questions, and they just can't. Yeah, yeah, can't even ask a question. Um, there are no other questions online. Um, yep. I jump from the YouTube audience, so yep. um, the the Zoom audience can stay on yeah, for afterwards. Sure. For sure, um, for and sure. I'll try to sort out that technical issue. But yep. um, no problem. So that we can it. we can probably if there's no other questions we can probably call it a day then. Um, again, I'd like to uh, uh, give my anamortana to you all, like uh, joining in, joining in and, and joining in online and and still still supporting the BSV even though you are 
uh, out there out there virtually kind of thing is very nice and just uh, keep keep updated we'll we'll keep you informed of of any changes that sort of uh, take place in that but again uh, I, I I wish you the best if, if you are sort of in isolation I wish you all the best people that have tuned in from overseas and things like that it's massively different time zone so really do appreciate it a lot um, and yeah and I, I wish you all the best with your Dhamma practice and hope that you progress in the Dhamma. Thank you.